0: Hello and welcome to episode eighty nine, section one thirty eight. I'm your host, Mark Pauley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's a little bit late to record this week. We're talking on Monday, October twelfth. So happy Thanksgiving to you guys. How are you, Jacob?
1: Uh, I'm doing all right. Sports are starting to unfortunately die down now, so it's I got a little bit more free time. But you know, it's it's a good time. That's
2: good. Yeah good weekend of uh, turkey so
0: very happy yeah the lakers winning the nba championship now we pretty much only have baseball i guess or unless you care about football but of course i mean <laughs> I have to order my merch. jacob's shaking his head the word of my merch oh for the lakers yeah yes, i only course. care about baseball so i'm just watching the rays and the astros and the braves and the dodgers starting tonight um it was a Pretty good game last night for game one in the American League Championship Series. Um, it was good in the fact that the Astros lost and the Rays won. Randy Arozarena, um not just beating up on the Blue Jays. The Rays not just beating up on the Blue Jays, but they continue to win. Um, and They had a pretty good win last night. I don't know if you guys watched it or if you guys have had a chance to follow um, the postseason so far this year. But I'm I'm cheering for the Rays. I want them to win it all.
2: Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've tuned in. I've kept uh, tabs of what's been going on. Um, you know, after the Jays were eliminated, obviously, there was um, there was a few other, or obviously, that's when the wild card series was going, so that's when pretty much all the teams were in. And then it was cool seeing the Marlins. That, that was the most notable for me, when the Marlins uh, upset the Cubs in two games. And then, of course, Atlanta took care of them uh, for three games. But it was just cool seeing the Marlins move on. A uh, team that's a complete mess, or previously um, from this year they were a complete mess. They came, they come into this season kind of like the Jays, not expecting to compete. But they had a good run in my opinion, a good season for them. And of course, yes, the the Rays and the Astros going on right now. First of all, I'm very disappointed that Oakland couldn't get the job done. Uh, that would have been really cool to see Mike Fiers too, pitch a potential Game 5 if uh, Oakland survived the last game. Uh, that would have been really cool to see, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. And now they got to play the Tampa Bay Rays who upset the New York, or not even upset because they're the first seed. They beat the New York Yankees. And, and, you know, after the Astros beat Oakland, I actually wanted to see the Yankees win because I wanted to see the Yankees play the Astros. But now now I want to see the Astros beat the Rays so the Astros can play the Dodgers, if that makes sense. I want to see the Astros and Dodgers in the World Series, but it's going to be a good series right now. Game one was last night on uh, Sunday, October 11th. And, um, you know, really good game. It was really low scoring, though. Good pitcher's duel. And, of course, Tampa's got very strong pitching, so they got the upper hand last night. Uh, Jose Altuve let let off the game with a uh, solo home run, of course. You know, whatever. But it was very, um, it was also kind of funny to see Aaron Loop come in the game and get himself in a massive jam. But, of course, Castillo came out for Tampa, got out of the bases loaded jam. And uh, you know, just some hard, painful flashbacks of Aaron Loop last night. But luckily, Castillo came in the game and saved them, and saved the Rays from winning. And now they're up two one. And then, of course, tonight they play game two. And also, the NLCS begins between uh, the Pod. I'm sorry, the Dodgers and the Braves now, and they're going to be playing in Texas. And the the one thing about tonight, which will be cool, is fans will be returning tonight. Uh, it'll be the first time this season you'll be seeing fans at a baseball game. I believe it's going to be up to 13,000 people in Texas. So pretty much only in Texas there's going to be fans. So there'll be fans for the NLCS and the World Series, as the World Series will be played in Texas as well. So Atlanta and uh, the LA Dodgers, that's going to be another good series too. Atlanta, another up-and-coming team who's looked good under Al- Alex Anthopoulos. And of course the LA Dodgers are a team that's usually in, the, uh, in contention each year, but unfortunately they find ways to lose. We'll see what happens this year if they can find a way to win. And, of course, going back to the ALCS, uh, I would like Tampa to win. But for some reason, I want to see the Astros advance so they can take on the the Dodgers in a potential World World Series. I think that would be really interesting to see. But so far, so good. The playoffs itself have been very entertaining. I'm still liking the playoff format. Um, You know, it kind of feels like forever ago now when the Jays last played just because, I don't know, it just has a weird feeling to it. But it's only been a week. And, um, yeah, we're down to four teams now in the uh, the rest of the playoffs, and it's been good so far um, between the two teams in the ALCS and, you know, Tampa Bay looking good from what they were projected entering the, the postseason, and the Houston Astros, the team that everybody hates, but we'll see what happens with them. Of course, they had to beat Oakland, which was a little bit of um, a letdown because Oakland also had a very promising season. But so far, so good. I've been keeping tabs on it. I've been tuning in as much as I can. I'll be definitely tuning in tonight for both games.
1: yeah, it's it's definitely been fun. I mean, obviously the Blue Jays as a Blue Jays fan, I would like to see them you know keep playing. Uh, I think a couple of years ago I made a joke to a friend saying it's so much easier watching the playoffs when your team is out because you're not having, you know a relative heart attack every day because stress you know, I, I get yeah, I get way too into the games. but overall, I mean, I'm a sports fan in general too. I obviously I'm dedicated to teams, but it's fun to watch, you know, just sports in general. Uh it's my, it's been interesting because I mean, I made a bracket, uh, I was in like a bracket type of competition with a few guys on Instagram and I don't know why I do this every year, but I predict the Dodgers are going to win the World Series and I mean that never happens. It's one of those weird things. They're they're choke <laughs>
0: artists. They're choke artists. <laughs>
1: it's been a mess, honestly. Uh, and like you said, Bryson with the Astros, I mean, I really do hope that Tampa Bay takes them out. I mean, I've personally, even before the blue Jays were supposed to play the Rays, I've kind of been, ai don't know if fans the right word, but I've kind of been eyeing the Rays the last couple of years. I've thought they've been a good team. You know, I think I'm a little bit biased because I've seen so many games in person in Toronto where the blue Jays have been against the Rays. So I just kind of see them more often, I guess uh, it's, it's definitely interesting, but the, the one thing that the Astros did that kind of really bothered me, and it wasn't really the Astros, but Carlos Correa, uh, during one of his interviews, uh, he was asked about the fact that everybody wants them to lose, and be, because of the uh, the cheating scandals, and he basically, in order in response to the success that they've had, said kind of what are they going to do now? Meaning, you know, you know what we everyone wants us to lose and we're winning and it's just like dude we have we have a ton of evidence to bring up that you guys cheated and it's just I don't know I feel like when you're in that type of situation saying something like that I mean it probably made him feel good but as a baseball fan it just makes you want to hate them more uh but obviously like you said with Tampa Bay last night they won uh, it's interesting with the bubble how they're pretty much just playing uh straight games to finish the series whether it's uh, four five six seven you know they're just they're playing and because they you know they really don't have any scheduling conflicts uh, they don't have to go to different stadiums uh or anything and it's it's definitely it's fun uh the playoffs do go they do feel a little bit faster but it's it's definitely fun to watch uh and for me it just kind of as a like I said I'm I'm not just a baseball fan I'm a sports fan and to see the Lakers win last night I mean it, it was okay I mean I'm not really a Lakers okay. fan.
2: Okay,
1: I mean, I personally I thought that I, I wanted the Heat to win, but I mean, now that both uh, the NHL and the NBA are over, their their seasons are over, it's just baseball kind of has my full attention. Uh, and once that's over, it's just kind of football going to be a dead zone. I don't know what really, nah, I football <laughs> I, I can't really get into football. I don't know why.
2: Well, the thing too, it'll like, be weird going. Yeah. The thing too is like the calendar's messed up, right? So like now, hockey was supposed to start, basketball's supposed to start around Halloween, and uh, baseball is like the only baseball and football are the only sports on the regular calendar. But yeah, it's just a really the the whole calendar's messed up, so it's very uh, bizarre to go through. But yeah, continue.
1: Yeah, we'll have a an interesting uh, November and December with probably not much on. So it's I'm enjoying this as much as I can. While still trying to maintain a decent GPA, you know, I, <laughs> I am pretty busy, but it's still it still is fun to get to watch sports. But, you know, overall, I mean, baseball's been, the playoffs have been great. I like the new format. I like more teams being in it because there's more games uh, and, you know, just more exposure to other teams. And overall, it's just been, you know, a pretty fun experience. And I mean, um, fingers crossed, pray, do whatever it takes to get those Astros out because, As much as I want to see them get upset in the World Series, I I kind of, you know, I want Tampa Bay to just sweep them and, you know, have that be like the final chapter in this hating them story.
0: Yeah, as amazing as the rivalry would be between the Dodgers and the Astros in the World Series again, I, there's no way I can cheer for the Astros. Like, even if it means some really good games in the World Series, I just can't bring myself to do that, to cheer for it these cheaters because that's what they are they're cheaters and no one's like no one likes them so (laughs) i I want them to get swept by the Rays. that'd be really awesome but um to your point about the the messed up sports schedule now um it'll be interesting because i think i forget where i heard this uh but i think the nba before this season started they had already wanted to kind of shift their schedule so that it's more during the summer months instead of overlapping with all the other professional sports so then instead of it being the nhl nba um, nfl all at the same time they would want it to be nhl and nfl competing then nba and mlb competing so theoretically the nba can pick up some other fans who are not fans of baseball but fans of other sports who maybe would have been distracted in the summer months so um i think that's might be what the nba is trying to do now in terms of realigning their schedule which is really interesting probably not the greatest in terms of money for baseball in terms of you know interest in teams
2: but it's uh it's interesting to look at yeah the nba was um believe they want they want to push opening night to around christmas so that's what you mean by the overlapping of course that takes it into the summer months but you know as of now for right now um Baseball pretty much has the entire spotlight right now. As football is usually played on certain days, this this week actually, they baseball was kind of screwed over just because um, there was an entire outbreak. I'm sure you guys have heard with the Tennessee Titans. So that they they're going to be playing Tuesday now, and you very rarely see see football on Tuesday. Usually, it's obviously Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, but you know, this week unfortunately, they're going to be playing on Tuesday. So there's going to be a lot of football this week. But other than that, you know, baseball has their specific days. They're going to be on pretty much every day. So right now. Other than football, I guess on Sundays, um, it's pretty much all of baseball. Baseball, you know, the NBA's done, the NHL's done. So there should, you know, you should expect to see high viewership uh, for now and especially the World Series. And, you know, I know, Mark, you don't want the Astros in the World Series, but you have to imagine if they did go to the World Series, people, more people would be tuning in. And the other thing is they would actually get to play in front of fans. So that's the one thing that, you know, we've been missing out on all years, the entertainment of them going to visiting ballparks because they got lucky this year with that. And I'm sure next year they'll still hear it. I'm sure they'll be booed for a long time. But this year in particular would have been a crazy year for them on the road. So they got very lucky. But uh, that's the other thing. I, I want to see how they play in front of fans. And if that means losing the World Series to the Dodgers, then I think I'm all for it. But the other thing, when you have to look at it, is they would still get an American League pennant. So you know they've won enough by con- you know controversial ways. And quite frankly, they don't deserve any of it. You know, some people even argued them not even being deserving of a playoff spot as they pretty much, I believe they finished either under 500 by a few games or they were just right at 500. They did not have a good yeah, season. Yeah, 29 and 31, I think. There you go. So people to begin with weren't very, um, you know, deserving of them actually making the playoffs. But, you know, of course, it's such an natural thing to do. Once they get in the playoffs, now all of a sudden they're playing good again. So uh, what a frustrating team. I just, I guess
0: if they get to the World Series, I don't trust the Dodgers. To be able to win the World Series because the Dodgers have clearly struggled the past few years, even though I think like they're probably in like one of the best five year stretches for any team in history. Like you look at the players that they have just up and down their lineup, like, I mean, Clayton Kershaw first off in pitching wise, they had Jin Ryu. Now they have, you know, Cody Bellinger. Um Justin Turner, uh, you know Chris Taylor, guys, just up and down their lineup that are insane. They're one of the best teams, I think, um, over a long period of time ever in baseball, and yet they haven't won a World Series with it. And I don't trust them to do so this year. So I think the Rays have the Rays have to have to finish the Astros off. But let's talk a little bit about the Blue Jays because we got our first taste this week or this past week of offseason rumors and what the Blue Jays could be doing in the offseason we talked last week about the potential for the Blue Jays to add kind of a high impact player we didn't really know who that high impact player would be but over the week there was rumors that Francisco Lindor who is not a free agent but almost certainly going to be traded by the Cleveland baseball team would be open to a trade to Toronto and I believe he can waive trades I think I'm not totally sure on that I imagine that's why it 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 matters why what team he's going to or what team he wants to go to but uh do you think the Blue Jays should pursue Lindor do you think he's that high super high impact player that they should go out and get or um like we talked about last week is now not the time to get a player or is Lindor not the right player to fit in with the Blue Jays I mean he's a shortstop the Blue Jays already have plenty of infielders either in the majors or coming up through the minors whether it be Jordan Groshans, Austin Martin Um, so what do you guys think about him do you think he has a, a role with the Blue Jays do you think they should go out and get him
1: I'm gonna be honest I don't think they should just because like you said they have a lot of infielders and he he's an infielder I mean he, look, he's a good player. I don't. I don't think anybody would say that he's not a good player. I mean, he's a four-time All Star. The only time he's not been in the All Star game, excluding this year because you know nobody was, was twenty fifteen. So you know he's he's a good player. I mean, and I think any team would benefit from him. But there's just the Blue Jays are in that spot where they they quite literally just don't have room for him. You mentioned Austin Martin, Jordan Groshans, guys that are expected to play in the infield, and you know. I don't think that the Blue Jays are willing to kind of overcomplicate their infield situation just to have a guy like Lindor in uh, their lineup or anywhere, really. Because, I mean, what they could do, we've seen with Kevin Biggio that the Blue Jays are willing to move him around. So, I mean, if you want to put Bichette at second, don't know if that's going to, you know, maybe the best option, but you can do that. Put Biggio at third, maybe, but then that kind of... Complicates things with Austin Martin. You know, you want to throw him in the outfield maybe? I don't know. Uh, I just, I don't think it's really going to happen just because the Blue Jays don't need him. They don't have the space for him. And also, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to come cheap. You know, I don't think you can really say that you want a guy that's been an all star every single year except for one year in his career at no cost. I mean, you're going to have to give something up. And, you know, I don't think the Blue Jays. I've said this all throughout the year. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to make many moves this offseason for external players. I think if they're going to bolster their team, it's going to be from internal acquisitions. But uh, with that being said, even if they were to entertain this trade, I don't really think that they want to give too much up. Because, like, say Austin Martin. I mentioned him, like, five times already. You know, do you want to give him up? First of all, I don't think he's getting traded. But if you were to, you know, try to project who you want to trade... I don't think the Blue Jays want to trade guys that they are high up on and that they expect to be good for them just because it, it doesn't make sense. You have prospects that you want to develop and that you, you know, the Blue Jays picked fifth this year. They got ridiculously lucky with Austin Martin, who was arguably one of the best players, probably the best player in the draft. And the last thing you want to do is trade him for a trade that might not even really be needed. Uh, the one thing I thought about last night, now, this is probably way too much of a stretch. But maybe the Blue Jays acquire Lindor and then use him as trade bait next year. But, like I said, probably not going to happen. And, I mean, a lot of things would have to go right. You know, he'd have to do well. A lot of teams would have to be, you know, in the market looking for him. But, you know, that's too many things to bet on. So, overall, I mean, if the Blue Jays needed him, sure. But it's not... They're not in the position where, you know, infielding is their primary focus I mean look at their rotation look at their bullpen I mean there's a lot of moves that need to be made there and I really don't think they need to be paying attention too much on their infield they they have the guys I think that could carry them if they develop the way they expect them to
2: yeah it, it's a tough one with Francisco Lindor because obviously we know the impact he brings we know the stats he's put up you know he's one he's been an all-star multiple times he's led the league in certain categories year after year And, um, you know, he definitely, if you know, just the way it's been going, too, with Cleveland, uh, he seems to, the frustration for him is starting to kick in, just because, obviously, he's looking for a new contract now. He's not a free agent until 2022, but Cleveland has, I don't even believe, spoken much about any contract at all, and he's been calling out, you know, telling the media multiple times that, you know, he knows Cleveland can pay him, but they won't. So, you know, regardless, it it looks like it'll be ending in Cleveland for him within the next couple of years. And the other thing, too, for him is he's going to be heading to arbitration uh, this winter if they can't get a deal done. So you have to almost imagine that he will be going to arbitration, and that could definitely be an ugly finish for him as well. We know from Blue Jays' experience, we know the Marcus Stroman uh, problem when he went to arbitration with uh, the Jays went off a few years ago. It seemed to almost be the end. You know, he called the team out for the stuff they said about him. And Francisco Lindor, you just have to imagine that he'll be going to arbitration unless they can sort out some sort of long term deal. But Lindor wants to stay in Cleveland, but unfortunately, I guess this isn't up to him. Uh, it looks like he will be walking, but for the Blue Jays' perspective, you know, obviously you want to add someone like Francisco Lindor to your lineup, but at what cost would he bring? Be- and also, if you're going to be getting Francisco Lindor, you know, it has to come with an extension right off the bat, because if you're going to be giving up. Many pieces. You need to sign him right away. But when you look at it right now, you just, where does he fit in the the lineup? Where does he fit in the infield? I just don't know. You know, you have to imagine that it's going to lead to a permanent position change for Kevin Biggio in particular. Uh, I think the Jays want to keep Bobochette at shortstop. And I think that maybe Lindor, that's where he would come to play if he ever came here to play second base every day. And you said, you know, loaded up on depth and prospects. Jordan Groshans is knocking on the door, and we will almost likely or for certain see him next at some point next season in 2021. Austin Martin, uh, I still think he's a few years away, but he's another one that will be coming eventually down the road. So who knows how the Blue Jays make this work, if they're really interested on him. And it's been a few times now that they've actually called ab- uh, Cleveland about him, from, um, or at least rumors, it go, even going back to, to before the spring started, in February, um, late January, the Jays apparent, or reportedly called and checked in on Francisco Lindor, and they were also interested in someone like Didi Gregorius, from what I remember uh, earlier last offseason. So it's someone that the Jays have always kind of kept tabs on. And uh, the, pro- the problem is, well, that was obviously before the draft, too, with someone like Austin Martin. And just right now, when you look at it, you don't know where he would fit on this team. But you know, you, you have to imagine it would be a pretty significant trade if the Jays were able to pull it off. And um, if they're very interested on in doing that, we know that Ross Atkins said a few weeks ago that the team is prepared to pursue a, a chance to go after someone big or make a big acquisition. But, you know, like I said, we, we discussed this last week, the Jays have to be very careful from where they uh, sit at right now, just because they're still not in the full contention window, even though they're moving towards that now. And the shortened season definitely helped their cause in terms of competing. So you can't blow it all over one 60-game season. You have to be very careful. But I I trust the front office with that part. I think they will. Based off the deadline we saw this year, they were very cautious and very conservative about the moves they made. They didn't really give up anybody. It was a lot of cash and a lot of player to be named later. So I think I like the way the front office has been handling it. And of course, when you want to look at it too, there's the Cleveland tie because of Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins' pass from where they were before they came to the Blue Jays. So, you know, you have to imagine that they will be checking in on him. And I would love to see them make this trade, but like I said, it has to come with an extension because he's a free agent at the end of... or he's the free agent after the end of 2021. He's arbitration eligible this winter. So you have to be very careful in terms of who you're giving up and you have to make sure it's a long-term thing. But right now, when you look at it, there's, they would have to definitely make some changes in order to fit him in the current... in the lineup. Like I said, Kevin Biggio's second base. So you have to imagine... He's permanently going to be moving to the outfield or somewhere else, because I think Bobachet, I think they want to keep Bobachet at shortstop, and Jordan Groshans is knocking on the door, entering the major leagues, and Austin Martin's not far behind him.
0: Yeah, and another thing, I guess, to consider, and really the only reason that I could see the Blue Jays acquiring Lindor this offseason, is because he's coming off an off year for him. I mean, he is, as Jacob mentioned, he's a really, really good player, but this season, didn't totally live up to expectations and what he's been previous years. Um, He only had 0.8 war, which, of course, you know, it's a 60 game season, and he did play all 60 games, but compared to the uh, 5.0 war that he had in previous years, it's not totally what he's been known to do. So maybe the Blue Jays get him for a cheaper price than they normally would if they were trading for a player of his caliber, and maybe they go after him because of that reason. But for one year of this guy, when I have to think they're looking at someone who's going to line up for, as I mentioned last week, you know the the rest of their competitive schedule for the next few years. I think they really want someone who's going to be under control, and I don't think Francisco Lindor offers that. Um, I don't know who does offer that on the trade market. I think if they're going for guys on the trade market, a lot of these guys, if they're not prospects, are going to be. Um, you know, have one year left on their contract, maybe half a year left on their contract if the Blue Jays get a midseason, So I think it's important that they, instead of going after guys maybe on the trade market, it might be the time, or maybe not this season, but in future seasons, you might just have to, you know, swallow it and go after guys on the free agent market. Even though it's going to be more expensive, probably, I think that's the way that they have to do it, especially with the room that they have in their salary cap.
2: Yeah, no, that's what I, all I was saying is that you know, If you're going to bring him over here, it just it better come with an extension because of the player he is and the, someone will pay him eventually once he be, hits the open market in 2022. So at the end of next year, he's arbitration eligible and from where it is, the Jays would definitely have to make moves to fit him in the lineup somewhere. Right? I, I just, shortstop, I just see it as a lock for Bobachet to stay and if Lindor was coming here, the only position I can see him possibly playing every day would be second base, but who knows what happens and That is the player I think that if the Jays were to make a big move, it would be him. I do think it would be him, but I don't know how likely it is, and I don't know how serious they are of making that big push or big trade that Ross Atkins says the team were open to doing. It'll be interesting to see how they approach this offseason, though. I think if they do make uh, a high-impact trade, it's going to be for uh,
0: either a pitcher or an outfielder. I don't think they are really in the market for any infielder. Maybe a catcher, but even that, I don't know, Alejandro Kirk coming up. And they got Danny Jansen, who obviously is not great offensively, but they like what they see from him defensively. So I really just see, you know, first, second, third are locks. It's all about the pitching. It's all about the outfield right now. I think for the Blue Jays, I don't think they're in the market for a type of guy like Lindor, um, not only because of the, the the limitations of his team control, but also just because of where he fits in on the team.
1: Yeah, it would also be interesting. You mentioned outfielder. I wonder. I mean. Obviously, we saw many instances where guys struggled in the outfield. You know, in the last couple of games of the regular season, I, we saw Grichik uh, mishandle a few balls. Derek Fisher. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was tough. But even Teoscar Hernandez, he, obviously, we know what he can do offensively. But even he had some struggles offensively or defensively. I, I don't think they're going to move him. To be completely honest, I think they like what they've seen him. I've liked him ever since he came over from Houston. Uh, so it'll be interesting. You know, do they want to? Uh, do they, do they want to keep their young guys like Gurriel and Hernandez maybe go for a center fielder, but even that, I think they have, off the top of my head, I think Gritchik has three or two years left on his deal or something like that. So, I mean, even outfield, you know, I don't know this offseason if they would make too many moves, but, I mean, they they still could. I mean, obviously, there's still room for improvement, but it would be interesting to see, you know, how eager are they to uh, to trade guys, like Grichik, or maybe Ger- I don't think they. I think Guriel is pretty much untouchable, especially with his control and the fact that he's only making I think less than seven million or whatever it is. I don't have the calculation off the top of my head, but he he's. I don't think he's going anywhere. So it'll be interesting to see how or if they want to make the improvements now or even in a couple of years when somebody like Grichik's up his contracts up if they want to you know trade for somebody or use him as trade bait. But I don't know. I mean, it's I think position players. Like I said, obviously there's always room for improvement in certain areas, but it, it would be interesting to see if they even made a move in the outfield you know, to try and get another high-impact uh, defender, I think. Because, I mean, offensively, I think they have uh, the projections. If the projections are right, I think they'll have a lot of great offensive talent. So it would be interesting to see how they handle that. Do they want to you know, maybe do what they did in 2015, get a guy like Ben Revere who can... Lead off, but I mean even that we saw Bichette and Biggio hitting one and two pretty much all the time so you know offensively I think they have a very good team or at least one that's expected to be very good so it'd be interesting to see how they they handle that type of situation so I mean but overall I think pitching is probably like I said the the biggest need of the team but we'll see how they they want to approach the position players or if somebody's not doing well you know maybe they have a short rope or short leash with these guys, but I'm not sure it'll be. Definitely, I don't envy that position because it's definitely very confusing. Even as somebody that watches all the games, you know, it's just it's it can get tough to see.
2: Yeah, um, Randall Gritch Just in terms of the salary, uh, if you're asking, uh, wondering, Jacob. So Randall Gritchick is set to make nine point three three million dollars next year with a signing bonus of one million, and Lourdes Gurriel is making three and a half million dollars that comes with the bonus. Just under 500K. So uh, Guriel is also pre-arbitration eligible, so that he's going to be up soon for a, potentially a new deal. But yeah, Gritchik's locked in for the next three or four years, I believe, like you said. So it will definitely be interesting to see if they consider any major changes from there. But who knows if how serious they are? Like I said, about them potentially making a big splash. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see. And again, we talked about it last week, but the
0: approach that the Blue Jays take this offseason season. I think it's going to be really interesting, especially as they approach what we think they can, can be a time period where they win a World Series. So it'll be really interesting to see what their approach is. Um, the next thing we wanted to talk about is other news that came out this week. Um, the Blue Jays, according to Forbes, had increased viewership this season. It increased about 23% year-over-year year from 2019. Um, MLB viewership in total went up 4.2%. From last season, uh, despite 24% decrease in overall TV consumption, um, from you know everything from you know normal TV shows to sports, and I believe NBA ratings, NFL ratings, not sure about NHL, but I think they were also down as well. So MLB performing better this season in the environment that we exist in than some other sports have been, than TV in general has been in the Blue Jays. As I mentioned, increasing a lot, 23% um, year over year, uh, reached 9.8 million Canadians total, which, as we know, about 30% of the population. Uh, These are really good numbers for the Blue Jays. It's really encouraging to see both them and Major League Baseball doing better in total. Um, I don't know if this is sustainable. I don't know if this is just because it's a 60-game season or only because the team was you know, actually exciting and fun to watch this season. But I I would wager that it's because the team and the product on the field was good compared to 2019 where the team and the product on the field was not good. It was pretty horrible. So um, I think this bodes well for years to come. There's not much to talk about here, not much to, uh, not, not many opinions to have here. It's just exciting to see people getting involved and um, excited to watch the Blue Jays again.
2: Yeah, uh, there, I have a few quick thoughts too about that. It's just... Uh, I think one thing, too, that had a big impact on the ratings being down for the NHL or the NBA, what you mentioned, Mark, as well as it being up in Canada is, you know, like I said, the sports calendar being completely thrown off to begin with. People aren't exactly interested maybe in the summer with hockey. I know after the Leafs were eliminated in uh, the qualifying round, um, I lost interest pretty quick on it. And, you know, maybe that had something to do with it as well, that people started to pay attention on it. And, of course, the Jays are a market where, you know um unlike the Leafs in this town is or even country is that once the team performs more people come back and more people pay attention so it is sustainable but the Jays need to continue to play like they did this season going into next year you know hopefully there's more buzz to around the team if they're back in Toronto I'm sure that took a little bit away from it but uh definitely the sports calendar being thrown off had something to do with it personally just from experience you know it was kind of hard to keep track of or stay up to date with you know, the rest of the playoffs until pretty much the finals came for the NHL. It was just very, you know, hard to stick to. And, you know, on a night where the Jays were playing compared to a random uh, playoff series, I chose the Jays all any day of the week to watch, uh, of course. So that's definitely one thing about it with the sports color being thrown off. But the product on the field definitely had a, probably the biggest impact on it. And it is sustainable. They just, you know, we know how it works with the Jays. And we've seen it with fan attendance Is quite simply if the team's not good no one cares but unless you're like a a diehard fan or you know someone who loves the sport of baseball like all us three and many others but for a casual fan that's usually how it works as they come around once the team starts to perform which is why it could be sustainable it just depends on their performance next year but I would definitely bank on it too especially with the expectations of this team now being raised to potentially a playoff team or contending team rather than a you know a rebuilding team who's going to lose almost 100 games a year so uh, very good numbers and uh, not surprised one bit at all.
1: Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is I-, I think a lot of the, not a lot, but a portion of the increased attendance might be from the fact that a lot of people were home combined with the fact that the team was better. Uh, I mean, obviously, if the Blue Jays were really bad this year, I think people still wouldn't be watching. But I think a lot of, or at least for me personally, the fact that the Blue Jays were home or the fact that I was uh, home and I had more free time to watch the game because, you know, obviously, I mean, in the summer, you know, school is not open, but also, you know, usually, you know, I work and whatnot, but this year I had none of that for pretty much the entire summer. So I was, it almost felt like Christmas morning every day for me, you know, because there was a new thing to to watch and, you know, it was exciting. Uh, I think that definitely played a part in, in it. I mean, obviously last year, even as a more than just a casual fan, you know, I watch pretty much every single game. But last year, it was hard to watch all of the games. And to, I mean, obviously, also, too, like I said with work, you know, people get busy. But what I feel like me being home and for a lot of other people, they were able to, uh, you know, have that extra time to watch. Because, I mean, also, like, during the weeknights, I think the 7 p.m. games are really good because... They're kind of in that time frame where, you know, you're done a lot of the stuff you wanted to do during your week but or during your day. But during the weekdays, the weekends, the 1 p.m. starts, I mean, I like afternoon baseball, but sometimes it can get kind of tough to watch because, you know, there's things that I have to do or, you know, maybe I don't, you know, people will tell me stop spending your whole day watching TV. But, you know, when I have absolutely nothing else to do, it's almost like yeah, I... I have more of a want to do it and it's not because or it's not that I only watch baseball when there's nothing else to do but I feel like this also helped because I I have something that I want to do combined with free time so it's kind of like this really good match but also overall like I said or like you guys said the the fact that the Blue Jays were good definitely did increase their viewership uh we've seen that consistently throughout all of the Toronto sports although with the Blue Jays I think it's more of a polarized situation where if they're bad nobody watches and if they're really really good then a lot of people watch but overall i mean it's definitely i think it's definitely going to be an upward trend from here uh with a lot of people buying in on this team and expecting them to do well and i think that'll definitely continue hopefully for the next five six maybe even ten years you know depending on how long they want to keep guys uh that are on their team right now and you know how they end up progressing throughout their careers
0: yeah it makes you wonder For the Blue Jays, who had a huge increase in viewership this year, who we know have a really big audience in terms of all of Canada, still have a pretty mainstream, a pretty average um, payroll year after year. You know, it's typically $150 million. This year, it's lower. Um, Future years, hopefully it's going to be higher when they compete again. But it's weird that, you know, the numbers show that I, if we're reading into these numbers a lot, which maybe we shouldn't be, but if the numbers show that when they're better, they get better viewership and not by a small amount, you know, it's a 23, 24% increase for the Blue Jays. You know, why don't they spend more more often? Why don't they aim to be computers more often instead of rebuilding? But I think those frustrations, which might be expressed by a lot of people, um, I mean, you look at the Yankees, they are contenders every year, but they never get far. They're struggling with injuries and they spend... Two hundred and fifty million dollars, while the Rays spend sixty million dollars, and the Rays get farther in the postseason. So I think there are ways of winning without money, and even if more money might make you compete more often, I think the better way to approach the game is 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 I guess play smarter, not harder. And and in that sense, don't just go out and spending money like the Yankees and the Dodgers do. Um, Spend time developing guys, looking for. I guess, cheats in the system, inefficiencies in the system that you can um, take advantage of. And I think that's what the Blue Jays are being effective at doing. I think they do a good job of blending sort of the the unconventional, the cutting-edge approach of the Rays, and we see that with guys like Charlie Montoyo coming over to the Blue Jays. But they also have more traditional approaches with maybe more holdovers from the Alex Anthopoulos era, like Pete Walker... To name one of the guys. Um, and I think they kind of blend those two schools of thought really well. So, long story short, I don't think the viewership means that they should increase their spending to be perennial contenders, but perhaps the quality of those teams is worse.
1: Houston also did a good job cheating the system. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to get that out.
2: <laughs> more like a, they're doing more like a money ball approach. They don't have yeah. to spend all the money, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Great movie, sorry.
1: Just,
2: <laughs> so. Just had to get that in there.
0: Uh, here, yes. I want to play a game with you guys. Can you guess which team had the highest increase in viewership from 2019 to 2020?
1: For some reason, I want to say Miami, but I'm not sure if that's correct. No,
0: the Marlins had a two percent increase. Okay, good. I can tell you that no, yeah, the number one team, the highest, the highest change o- from 2016 Oakland. to twenty 2019 to 2020 was 152 percent. You say Oakland, person? Yeah. You are. St- you so close. Oakland was second. They went up 108% 2019 to 2020.
1: It? Was it, okay, I might be way off, but was it Houston? Because no, the Astros went up 9%. I don't, no. maybe i
2: yeah,
0: I'll just tell you it was the White Sox. They increased the Sox. 152% from 2019 to 2020. 152%. Insane. Yeah, that's, okay, who that's do good team. Yeah. What do you think the biggest decrease was from 2019
1: to 2020 uh, let me think here hold on let me bring up okay i'll <laughs> jump i'll say it but... i'll say no Sox, no i'm not gonna google membership. i was gonna i was gonna look at standings I'm... is it what bryson say you're Boston. saying
0: the red Sox. yeah you're correct it was I, yeah, the red Sox. it decreased by 54 oh, yeah. percent
1: i had a brain fart i couldn't bring up the standings in my head for some reason i was like damn who plays in the you know, i was just trying to
2: think of a team that went from <laughs> up here to down here, and I'm like, who really fell off? Yeah, and yeah, the the Red Sox. You got it right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So,
0: luckily, the Blue Jays are not yeah. the Red Sox. <laughs> oh my god! They're trending more towards hey, the direction of the. Saying, uh, don't, be su-
2: don't be surprised. Alex Cora goes back there. I'm just saying. Do not be surprised. Yeah, and the White Sox today too. Renteria fired. There's lots of rumors that your boy AJ Hinch may be back in the major leagues. So. And that might be a good fit for him. Please no. <laughs> They're all coming back, Mark. He's going to go
1: shop at Home Depot <laughs> before he, uh, he pulls up to the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll some trash
0: cans. <laughs> See, we made it like the entire season without talking about the Astros. But the moment we get back <laughs> into the off season, it's all about the Astros. And then it's all about our next topic now, which is evaluating the COVID protocols and how they went this season and... Feels like How, May. <laughs> <laughs> How the labor relations went this season because we talked so much about this before the season. Uh, let's just start off with the, the COVID protocols because um, it didn't go perfectly. There were mistakes along the way. Um, look at the Miami Marlins um, who lost, what, 17, 18 players who tested positive for COVID-19. But on the whole, nothing catastrophic happened. We still got through the season with minimal... Amounts of canceled games, no player seemed to be, you know, dramatically impacted by testing positive for COVID-19. We didn't see any perhaps older members of teams, whether it's, you know, a guy like Dusty Baker, although fingers crossed it's not totally done with because he's still with the Astros and they're still in the postseason, but um, guys like him and, and older guys in baseball who are more prone to have more dramatic impacts from this um they weren't affected by it so i mean by and large despite our criticisms at the beginning of the year despite our criticisms through the course of the year and the season it it went pretty well
1: yeah i was going to say it at the beginning of the year i originally thought that there's no way the season's going to finish because obviously you said with Miami there st louis had a lot of issues you know there we were or at least i was thinking that the the ripple effect was going to be a lot more drastic than it was. Uh, I think the geographical re, uh, divisions helped, where you know the, obviously the Miami Marlins were still in the same the the eastern portion of the uh, the league with the Blue Jays, but I don't think we saw as many outbreaks as we expected to, or at least it wasn't as as bad as we expected to. Obviously, you know it the leagues that just went straight to a bubble. Uh, whether it was the NHL in Toronto and Edmonton or the NBA in Florida, those were obviously, you know, arguably unmatched in their protocols. In fact, if I remember correctly, after the first couple rounds of tests, neither of those leagues had any positive cases pretty much for the majority of their their stay. Uh, But the... Blue Jays, I think from a Blue Jays perspective, they didn't have as bad of a time with this as we expected. They did have a couple postponed games. Uh, they had that series against the Phillies, if I remember correctly, early on, but the rest of the postponed games were due to other reasons, whether it was weather or there were those boycotts uh, at the end of August. But overall, I th- I don't think we ca- I mean, we can criticize because obviously it wasn't perfect, but... I think it was not that bad, you know, the season, uh, the non-bubble portion of the season, obviously they're in a, they're in a bubble right now, but we did not see as bad of an impact as we expected to. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, and it, it is a little bit difficult to, uh, kind of judge Major League Baseball in comparison to the other leagues being the NBA and the NHL, just because, uh, Major League Baseball hadn't started their season yet, whereas both baseball and hockey were—I believe the N uh, the NHL had played about seventy games, and the NBA was I think around sixty, and then they played ten in the bubble before the playoffs. Whereas Major League Baseball had nothing; they they didn't uh, they hadn't played anything. And uh, overall, I mean, I think it would have been hard to do a bubble for an entire season. Uh, Mainly, the sixty games isn't. Uh, isn't isn't too bad, but I think the fact there were thirty teams needing to play that many games was the issue, because I, I I don't know if I said this on the podcast or if I just had a very intense uh, intense thought process with myself, you know, when I should have probably been sleeping. But I thought to myself, could the N, the MLB have taken the three the three cities with two stadiums being Chicago, L A, and New York, and have some type of bubble in those three cities for the geographical regions. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it overall would have worked because as I thought logically, uh, you know, if you wanted to split it up, there were 20 teams per bubble. Uh, you could have somehow split it up where there were five teams in each stadium or they could have done something. I don't know. It would have, it or it could have maybe worked, but I think that would have been way too confusing because you would have had to use the... The stadium's pretty much 24-7 because, you know, baseball games are, if I remember correctly, usually around two to three, maybe even four hours. And obviously the one issue with them is there's technically no timer for how long the play should last. Obviously there's in between, you know, the commercial breaks are timed out now, but it's not like hockey where you play 60 minutes and then there's, you know, an extra hour or hour and a half of, of breaks in between. So it unfortunately a bubble would not have worked for Major League Baseball. I still don't think that necessarily means that it's okay to have outbreaks. But overall, I think if I were to grade it, I would I would say it was a B. It wasn't that bad. I mean, the outbreaks were contained. The Blue Jays had relatively a relatively uninterrupted season. And thankfully, as you mentioned, Mark, nobody was seriously impacted at least not that I can remember nobody died thankfully so I mean in the grand scheme of things this was a very odd season in terms of the logistics and just everything that was going on but overall I think for what it was uh it it wasn't that bad I mean we got through a season which I didn't think was going to happen uh but you know it just it it wasn't bad I'll say that it's
2: it was okay, but uh, I think th- there were times where it was pretty bad. Um, from what it started, you know, the Miami Marlins were shut down for almost a week. The St. Louis Cardinals were shut down for more than that. They were pretty much playing double headers every day. Um, so, the, yeah, the Miami Marlins were shut down. The, the Cardinals were shut down. And then the Philadelphia Phillies as well had a small outbreak, and that, of course, affected the Blue Jays uh, at the beginning of the season where they had to make up uh, later in the season for double headers. But it, it, was a, it was a really slow start, and the, the problem was is that these outbreaks occurred right at the beginning of the season, and that's when a lot of people were wondering if this thing was ever going to get off the ground and running. And even even I remember the Jays opening uh, series when they were in Washington, I guess their home opener when they were in Washington, that series alone after Tampa, that's when the Marlins outbreak began, and that's when a lot of people were wondering if this was going to be the last day of the season. And who knows um, what would have happened if these outbreaks continued, but... Right along, I stuck to my prediction that the season would not shut down because, unfortunately, the sport cannot afford that. So for people who were uh, seriously doubting that, people sometimes forget the business aspect of the repercussions of shutting down. And that's why I knew, especially after that Marlins situation, because that was before the Cardinals one, it was the very first outbreak, when they continued to play and when they continued to, you know, add play. Well, I mean, as pretty much half the roster at least was infected with COVID-19, you knew right away that they weren't stopping. They were going to keep their head down and keep going. And of course, they made adjustments on the fly. And in a world like this, and a pandemic like this, it seems very risky. But for baseball, they got lucky and it paid off. And that's obviously another one of the reasons why they're in a bubble right now. And it's actually it's been successful so far. As there's been zero positive tests for all the teams that have gone to the four neutral sites. Now we're down to two, and it looks like um, it looks like we're going to be able to finish the season and the playoffs. And that's that was the biggest fear: is a possible second wave. Um, as the weather got colder and it looks like we're going to be okay with that. You know, the, one of the, the two neutral sites right now are San Diego and, uh, Texas, of course, both warm climates and, uh, retractable roof in Texas, fans in Texas, a world series in Texas. So it looked like it worked out and we're, we've been seeing it across too with the NFL. I mentioned it earlier, the Tennessee Titans have been shut down for over a week now. Uh, they have about 20 players on their roster who've been infected with COVID-19 and uh, they've rescheduled the game for this Tuesday when you never see football on a Tuesday. So it, they're, the NFL will be another sport who continue to make adjustments on the fly. And I think they're going to be able to get the season done as well. Of course, they're a little bit more difficult because they play once a week. So it's a little bit more difficult scheduling games. But for the NHL and the NBA, of course, they had zero positive tests in both of their bubbles. Uh, it, looked, it worked out really well. But the one thing... Jacob, too, when you were saying about a possible baseball bubble, I just did not, or like an actual bubble with team everyone in there is what I'm saying. I don't think it would have worked at all. I just think there was too many players, too many staff members. And the one thing that I've been seeing too without throughout the NBA and the NHL is that the players could not stand the bubble. It's almost like you're in a lockdown environment, which you are, and a lot of players really struggled during the bubble, but the bubble was necessary for both of those leagues to finish their seasons there in a different spot. And I don't think we'll be seeing a bubble, or at least, you know, whenever their season start next, they're probably going to be a little bit of a hybrid bubble. It won't be as secure as it was in Disneyland for the NBA, and then in the NHL, it was Toronto and Edmonton. But uh, a playoff bubble for the regular season, I just didn't see it working, and I remember telling you guys that at the beginning. But uh, the future still remains in question for a sport like baseball as well. Will there be a full season next year? And for a Blue Jays perspective, will they be allowed back in Toronto next year? And just really nobody knows... Nobody knows about the fans as well. How many fans will be allowed back at ballparks next season? I know the Chicago Cubs have already announced that once they do allow fans, even if it's at some point next year, there won't be opening with a full capacity crowd. It'll be something like what we'll be seeing uh, with the NLCS tonight with around 13,000 fans, maybe a little bit more. And it all depends on where we are uh, past the new year. Maybe there's a vaccine by next spring, uh, next summer at some point. Maybe you start without fans and then, you, you casually go back up, and that's something that's probably going to happen with all the sports. It's going to slowly go back to normal. It's not going to go back to normal at once, but the future really still remains uncertain. And I, like I said, the Jays technically don't know where they're playing again next year, and you hope they're back in Toronto um, because they were obviously homeless this season. But the COVID protocols, at the end of the day, they got the season finished, or it looks like they will be. Um, and I guess you can call it successful, but unfortunately they had to deal with... Um, t- a few situations where it did not look good and and, and what I mean by that is pretty much shutting down two teams for over a week in the Marlins and the Cardinals whose rosters got infected heavily and um, another team was another team was the Philadelphia Phillies that affected the Blue Jays Uh, thank God the Jays weren't affected a lot with COVID you know they none of their games or a lot of their games weren't postponed so from our perspective it was good to experience but seeing the other teams go through it uh, it was definitely a little bit concerning, especially because it happened at the beginning of the season right away. But as the season went on, they did a phenomenal job of controlling it and making adjustments and being able to finish the season properly.
0: Yeah, there's no way that baseball could have done a bubble for the whole season. Um, I the, the NBA bubble just wrapped up. Um, if you had the MLB bubble for the whole regular season and then... The postseason, which is still going on, um, not to mention summer camp slash spring training, which would have been going back to the start of July. So the start of July to the end of October, that's just, that's impossible, especially with the amount of teams that you had to play, the amount of personnel you would have to put up. It was impossible. I think what MLB learned to do after the fact is, um, after the outbreaks on the Marlins, or the Cardinals, in terms of forcing players to stay in the hotel. I think they, if I remember correctly, they put up security personnel at each hotel to make sure, or at least know when a player was leaving so they can inform the teams. I think that was the right step. And once they knew to do that, once they decided to do that, it solved the problems that they were facing earlier in the season. But before that, um, I think their approach was not working. It would have led to a lot more mistakes. And, you know, we can call the postseason a bubble, but it's not really a bubble, if we're being honest. They're just doing the exact same thing, pretty much. They're just staying in the hotels and going directly to the ballpark. It's not as strict a bubble as you had in the NBA. But another thing is that, you know, baseball didn't really have to do a bubble in terms of the players um, the, the type of game that baseball is, you can't do NBA without a bubble. You can't have players, um, be socially distant somehow when you're trying to play a game that literally requires you to be face-to-face with everyone else. Same with the NHL. You couldn't do that. But baseball is a sport that, you know, at most you're going to have one or two players or maybe like three players, um, and, uh, home plate or on the mound or something, but you're never going to have more players congregated on the field and cross-contamination cross, con- cam- cross contamination between teams. Um, you're only going to be in the dugout and, of course, in the clubhouse together. So I think that's one reason why baseball didn't have to do the bubble. Um, but you mentioned, Bryson, labor relations for next year. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens after next season, whether the Blue Jays are going to play in toronto whether they're going to play in buffalo there's lots of questions still outstanding but at least now we know what is possible the plan that the blue jays can take the plan that major league baseball can take to get a season done and that to some extent it works maybe it doesn't work over 162 games but at least in some abridged form of baseball um, it works and we and we can watch the sport and have the sport still survive because as you know before we before the season started and when labor relations were still up in the air we were questioning whether baseball would survive past this pandemic if they didn't get a season played this year if they had labor relation troubles after the season but it looks like now especially with the viewership earlier that i mentioned that the sport is in good shape so it's been in my opinion, a very successful season.
2: Yeah, and that's the one thing that we all mentioned as well during, you know, there, there were definitely a lot of times where we all recorded and we were all, there was lots of doubt and question to if there was going to be a season. We all know the, the the, um, the what, do you, what do you want to call it, the fiasco between the owners and the players. We all know what was going on, the salary problems. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why there were 60 games. Um, if there was no arguments or if things went smoother you could have easily had half the season with 82 games 81 games but it was pretty clear from the owner's side that they were doing this for a reason to potentially lower it to 60 games Um, but you know what at the end of the day uh, I'm just happy to say that we did have a season and when you want to look back at it a few months later from where we were if there was even going to be a season and the one thing too was the question of us saying if it was going to survive past this season it wasn't because of the game it would nothing to do with the game it was frankly because of the owners and the union fighting and that drove a lot of people away. Mark, you there were so many situations this year where we even recorded podcasts on short weeks where we were all completely devastated by it. I, I'm sure you guys remember and if you guys would go back and listen to it, it would be very interesting to hear as our reactions of how you know nervous and scared we were that there wasn't going to be a baseball season. You know, Commissioner Manfred one day saying there will be a season to the next day saying there won't be a season, whether it was a scare tactic or not. Um, it's just, It was a complete mess. It was handled por- horribly. But the one thing is a lot of people have forgotten about it since the playoffs have been going on. And I guess you want to call that a success because a lot of people are invested in the actual game. And that's the one thing that would never have ruined baseball. It would have been the management, the owners, the players' union, all of that argument going back and forth. But the one thing I, d- I remember saying to both of you, and both of you guys know this as well, is... Just because the season got in this year, it's not it's not over yet. You still have the winter meetings or an off season coming up. You have an off season supposedly going into a full season next year. Still during a pandemic, will the season be shorter? But it will definitely will be over a hundred games. But how many games will we be playing? What's been going on? The CBA is expiring at the end of next year. There's lots of uncertainty going to that's going to be happening between the owners and players. But the one thing I hope that they learned through this lesson is that the amount of backlash they had and the amount of people that were done with the sport, not because of the sport, but because of the people running the sport. So very, very unclear of a future, but uh, it's just, you know, you want to get through one thing at a time, but there's so much uncertainty. Like I said, who knows where we are um, throughout the United States in particular, and I guess with Canada or with the Jays being allowed to play here or not, where we are next February, next March, maybe a vaccine, maybe things change, fans may be back. But you know, in terms of that, the CBA will be expiring at the end of next year, and it, it worries me that it, things are going to be ugly again, or it's going to get to a point where it is ugly. Unfortunately, none of us can guarantee that it's going to be a smooth ride, or none of us can guarantee there would ever be a lockout or a player strike. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But you you would hate to see that. And I think after experiencing the backlash and the problems that the owners and players had, is that this sport this sport can't afford a lockdown or a player strike it cannot it cannot go through any of that a league stoppage any of that it would not be good for the sport and i think we saw that this year like i said the quality of the games have been keeping people interested and a lot of us have forgotten about the previous past few months between the owners and players
1: i think it actually is kind of good the backlash that the owners and the commissioners got from everybody because i think it does show that you know baseball is not completely dead. People, you know, they want it to exist. They, you know, I want it to, to keep watching the Blue Jays. You know, it's it's fun to watch baseball. It, you know, it's fun to play. It's fun to, you know, interact with people that also like to talk about it. So I think, you know, that's definitely a good sign. I mean, not a good sign that we had to react, but the fact that people did react in such a way shows that they care. Uh, you mentioned, Bryson, the Blue Jays coming back to Toronto. I, I mean, that's going to be very tough to figure out because of, the situation with, you know, the, se- the second wave, I think we can call it now in Ontario, where they're reporting, you know, six, seven, 8 900 new positive cases each day. And unfortunately, I don't think that's going to go down until there is some type of vaccine because, you know, as Premier Doug Ford said, he's not really willing to shut down all the businesses that he had to shut down in the in the spring and in the summer because people can't afford it, you know. There there's only so much time that can go by where you're consistently, you know, paying bills but you don't have any revenue, you know. There's a few restaurants that I loved that unfortunately are gone permanently now and, you know, I I don't think Doug Ford's willing to do that again. And I don't think that he's I mean, he, the, the Ontario government was the one that was willing to let the Blue Jays play in Toronto. It was the federal government that we have to remember is the one that said no. But I feel like at the current state, obviously there's still many months before you know, a regular season has to happen. But as of right now, I think you know a lot of things are going to have to go right if the Blue Jays want to be able to play in Toronto. Because first of all, I don't think any gatherings are going to be restricted or are going to be allowed. I think right now it's back to you're only allowed to people be with people within your own household. So, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people, you know, there's not that many people in my house, so I doubt the Rogers Center is going to be as populated. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be dealt with that need to be figured out before the start of next season, obviously. Like we said, the, the fact that this was handled so poorly and the fact that everybody, you know, instead of playing baseball and instead of keeping players safe, there were so many distractions, really, that the owners were uh, focused on more. So it's, like you said, it's definitely not over, you know, this almost reminds me of you know as a kid if you were to get in trouble at a party and your mom says just wait till we get home and you get you know <laughs> what you get punished in, so- <laughs> in some way you know <laughs> it'll it's definitely
0: <laughs> not sure I follow the analogy there's a lot of things I think I know what you mean. i think <laughs> I think well, you're geez. saying like it, this season this season was kind of just a a, a stopgap it was just kind of for show and then the real the the real rubber meeting the road is going to be Even this off season, season yep in terms of labor is am i interpreting that right
1: yeah okay yeah this this season it was great to have it you know but oh yeah once the Far dust settles over. there's definitely going to be over. a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of angry people Ugh. okay
0: that makes sense yeah i hope the one lesson that major league baseball and the players association have learned from what we went through is to not do this in public i think there were so many leaks and so much um i guess just major league baseball the owners and the players not being on the same page and so much confusion and so much public discourse that got out of hand um that in future contract negotiations in future labor negotiations it has to be done behind closed doors we can't be having this done in public or else it just gets nasty but on that note and on the reflection that we've had today i think we'll leave it there for today So thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of our podcast. You can rate and review us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, and you can stay up to date with everything we're doing by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Section138Pod. Until then, stay safe, and we'll catch you next week.